Well, good morning, Good Shepherd. Whether you are live at our Charlotte campus or live streaming, really glad you're here today, connecting today. I'm Talbot Davis, the pastor at Good Shepherd, and uh, we are in week two of this series that's called By Design, a series where all the messages come from Psalm number 139 in the, in the uh, Old Testament scripture. And it's also a series that's going to lead at the, at the, on the last Sunday uh, of the series for a real resource for you to to kind of evaluate where you are in your living relationship with Jesus. And uh, today, the message is called Our Design. So if you have your Bible with you, maybe you have a Bible that looks like this, or maybe it's loaded on your phone, I want to invite you to locate Psalm number 139 in your Bible. And and just, uh, oh, by the way, as you are looking for that place in your scripture, just keep your finger there when you find it. A lot of you know uh, that uh, th- this past week, my mother down in Austin, Texas, who was 106 years old, she on Wednesday, she finally met her match and breathed her last, and, and she died. And uh, uh, again, a lot of you know this, and I know that a lot of you know, because I've just been overwhelmed with all your expressions of love and, and care and, and, and prayer. And when someone lives to be 106 and then dies, it's not like any of us are saying, oh, life was cut short. We, you know, we just, we don't feel that way. Nevertheless, there's this hole where she was in all of our lives. And, and the good thing that I've discovered just in the last several days is when you're a great distance away from your nuclear family, it's so good to be part of the family of God. And so thank you all for being exactly that in my life and, and the life of my family here. So uh, just thanks for all of that. The, the memorial uh, will probably happen in six or eight weeks down in Texas, prob- most likely after the Omicron surge passes. And I'll keep you up to date on all of that. But I really want to be able to connect with you all today for this, again, the second message in the series, Our by design is the series, our design is the message. And uh, today it comes from the really the first six verses in Psalm number 139. And, and we just, we really love the Bible at Good Shepherd. You may not know that, but we really do. And one of the reasons we love the Bible is, is because we celebrate every time we gather together that it's not a book and it's a library a lot of books written by many authors over years and years and years. And here's the cool thing, in a lot of different writing styles. And when we are in the book of Psalms, we are quite literally in a song book. Like we just sang three incredible worship songs together as a community. And, and the book of Psalms for the Old Testament people, this was their music book. And, and so we're looking today and throughout the series at Psalm 139 at a song that a songwriter writes and sings to God, kind of celebrating how he's not accidental, but he's on purpose. And, and you may not have known that, but we remind ourselves of it a lot. The other thing, other reason we love the Bible, and you may not agree with what I'm getting ready to say, or you may absolutely love it. We just like to be honest, is that in leadership here, we believe it is that God breathed his life into it. He put his truth into its words and, and on its pages. We really do believe that the Bible is inspired and eternal and true. And because we believe that in leadership here, we do kind of a strange thing when we gather together and talk about the Bible. We lift it up. And if you've never been here before and you're looking around and there's phones in the airs and Bible in the air, you're tuning in live stream and you're like, that, that's just a little bit strange. And, and you know how we answer? We, well, yeah, people are strange. 
But we, Doors reference there, but we've, we have discovered that this is a moment of oddity that shapes our identity as a community, that we're a collection of people gladly surrender to the authority of the word, ready for its power to be let loose in our lives. Amen? Amen. And so before we, I say anything else, let's pray. So Lord, I am powerless without you, but because of you, praise God, I'm never helpless. Send that help. Send the goodness of the Holy Spirit on everything I say and do and think. And Lord, do that for all those within the sound of my voice. In Jesus' name, amen. So uh, my wife, Julie, and I, we have two adult children. They're both grown. They're both married. They live away. Our daughter Taylor lives in Nashville and our son Riley lives over in Chapel Hill. And, and so they're really too old to talk about often in messages. And, and so I just don't talk about them very often in my messages on, on Sunday, except for today. Because when they were much, much younger and they looked kind of like this, we're going to show a picture of them. That's what they looked like when they were little. Everybody say, oh. And some of you moms and dads, you're now kind of, you got a sinking feeling inside because you realize your kids can no longer be the cutest in the history of the world because <laughs> it, was, it was them. And when, when, when they look like that, Taylor the older, our daughter, would often say to Riley the younger, our son, she would say, Riley, I know you better than you know yourself. Riley, I know you better than you know yourself. And she did. She knew when he would cry. She knew the kinds of things he would like. She knew what he wanted for Christmas. She knew the kind of girl that he would like. She knew when he was going to be sad or when he was going to be happy. She knew, she knew when she had to intervene and protect him from a bully, either at school or yeah, a bully even at church. Riley, I know you better than you know yourself. And it's one of those sayings in our little family that's turned into folklore. Like our kids are way older than that now and we still say it to each other all the time. Riley, I know you better than you know yourself. Well, this whole by design series, series where we're taking this deep dive into Psalm 139 and how it is the intersection of God's knowledge of us and his love for us, we come across the mostly intimidating realization that God does in fact know us better than we know ourselves. That God knows those things we do really well. He knows those things that we have that are pretty quirky. He knows those things we're delighted with. He knows those things that we are ashamed about. God's knowledge of us in Psalm 139 is deep and vast and comprehensive. And I want you to take a look because this is much as evident from the very, very beginning of Psalm 139. Look how it opens there. When our songwriter, we, if, if, if you weren't here last week and you're like, well, if this is the second week in the series, why are we just now at verse one? Because we started in the middle of it and working our way backwards. And it's okay, the Bible never says you can't do that. So Psalm number 139, verse one, the songwriter's singing to God, you have searched me, Lord, and you know me. 
whoa. And, and you know, when it says you have searched me there, that word searched literally means frisked. Like what happens when you're at the airport and you win the booby prize at the TSA and you get pulled out for a random selection, random examination, and what do they do? They violate your personal space. It's invasive, it's offensive. It's like, what in the world are you doing and where are your hands going? That's what it's like. It's, it's like even what happened to some of you that time that you were arrested and you got frisked. That, that's what it is saying. You, you have frisked me, Lord. You know me exactly that well and that intimately. And then it goes on, verse two. You know when I sit and when I rise, you perceive my thoughts from afar. And, and when, when it says, you know, when I sit and when I rise, it, it really, it's, it, 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 don't, don't get too worked up. Oh, did, did God know I sat down at the beginning of the service and then I'm gonna stand up at the end? Well, kinda. But it's really a poetic way of saying he knows all of it, the, the totality. He knows everything about all of your life. You've never done anything. You've never demonstrated any kind of characteristic. And God said, whoa, I didn't see that coming. That, that's never happened. You've, you've never taken him by surprise. You, you know when I sit and when I rise, you perceive my thoughts? My thought? Like the one you just had? Yeah. The one I just had? Yeah. Hold that thought because we're going to come back around your thoughts in just a moment. Look where he goes in verse three. You discern my going out and my lying down. You are familiar with all of my ways. Again, God knows everything about everyone. He knows us intimately, almost invasively, almost offensively. And then look at verse four, at what it says in Psalm 139 verse four. Before a word is on my tongue, you Lord, Know it completely. Before words on my tongue, you know it completely. And I read that and I'm like, wait just a darn minute, mister. You mean you know those things that come out of my mouth before they ever come out of my mouth? That, that dumb thing you said to that girl that time and she slapped you because of it? God knew it before you said it. That dumb thing you said to that guy and you ended up chasing away the man of your dreams? God knew it before you said it. That way that you perfectly summarized the situation and you dealt with all the objections and you clinched the sale of the century just by what came out of your mouth. Yeah, even the good stuff, God knew it before you said it. Yeah, everything that we've ever said, even this message that I am giving right now, before a word is on my tongue, you know it completely. And some of you, you think back in the rear view mirror of your life and all those things that you wish you hadn't said, because you know what's true about those things that we say? We can't ever unsay them, can we? Especially when we say those things to the people we love the most, those things cannot be unsaid. 
And so we realize God knows all of this remarkably well to remarkable depth. And just when you're feeling really bad about that, you think, oh my gosh, all those really foolish things that I've said, regretful things that I've said. What's that other section of the Bible that we have to couple with this? It's John chapter three and verse 16. Some of you may know it because what does it say? For God so loved. The world, for God so loved the world. Think of what it doesn't say. It doesn't say for God so mad at the world. It doesn't say for God so embarrassed by the world. For God's so ashamed of the world. It doesn't say any of that. It always says for God so loved the world, which gives us this remarkable realization that God knew that thing that you were going to say that made that girl slap you in the cheek that time and he loves you anyway. God knows that dumb thing you did and loves you anyway. God knows about that time you blew up that family and loves you anyway. God knows about that time that you blew your dream job by failing a drug test and loves you anyway. We serve, Good Shepherd. We gather to worship and anyway, God, and thank God that we do because there's a whole lot of us in this space. There's a whole lot of us tuning in live stream. And if we didn't have an anyway God, we'd be dead, we'd be in jail, or we'd be in rehab all over again. Can I hear an amen for our anyway God? And how good that it is that we have an anyway God, a God who knows us so better than we know ourselves and has decided to declare, I love you anyway. As good as all that is, even that is just runway, it's just prelude for where we're going to be bottom lining today. Because look at the next move of Psalm number 139. Look where it goes in verse 5. You hem me in behind and before, and you lay your hand upon me. Oh my gosh. Now we see... Now we see not only that we have an anyway God who, who knows all this stuff and has decided he loves us anyway, but we see the purpose for all of this knowledge, a purpose, a reason for all the ways that God knows us better than, than we know ourselves. And it's that hemming in. It's that holding back. You hem me, you restrain me, you protect me actually from my own worst enemy, which is me. Anybody here realize that your own worst enemy are not those people beyond you who are assaulting you. Your own worst enemy is the person you see when you look in the mirror. And Psalm 139 gives us this breathtaking truth, this hallelujah truth that our God who knows us so well, the reason that he knows us so well is because he wants to him, because he wants to hold, because he wants to protect us from our own worst enemy and our own worst instincts. And so here's the really good news. All of you, all of you who are designed and designed perfectly by an all-knowing God, it's this, God knows you so well he protects you from you. That, that, that's how he knows you and that's why he knows you because 
His great longing is for you, you to be able to see all those ways that he's in, at work in your life. And sometimes it's gentle and sometimes it's severe. Sometimes it's comfortable and sometimes it's painful. But God is bringing people and situations and events into your life. And they're all designed to hem you, to hold you in front of you and behind you to protect you from you. That's how well you are designed. See, really, really, it's a, we have a, a picture of them. I think we're going to throw a picture of those red. Yeah, there we go. What, what is that up there? It's a red flag. Can I tell y'all, I was supposed to have some real life red flags up, with, up here on the platform with me. But do you know what got in the way? Supply chain crisis. And I just think when the, when the su supply chain crisis is so bad, you can't get red flags that you order. We're in deep, deep trouble. And, <laughs> and, and so this is, this is the red flag that I'm showing you. But, but you know what red flags are. They are those warning signs in our life, those yield or stop signals. The red flags in our lives are the friend in your life who works up enough courage and finally is able to say, you know, that new guy that you're dating, I don't think he's as good for you as you think he is. Be careful. The red flag in your life is, is that kind of gnawing realization that it, that dream job or that investment opportunity that sounds too good to be true. 50% annual return. It likely sounds too good to be true because it is too good to be true. The red flags are, are like that kind of unease you feel about that really cool party that you were invited to and it sounds so delicious, but you know that it might prove to be so dangerous and right now you're like, should I stay or should I go? And, and that red flag is that warning sign. And you know what most of us do with most of the red flags? When, when, when they're in the way of something we really wanna do or someone we really wanna have, do you know what most of us do with those red flags? We walk, we put our blinders on and we walk right on past them, usually, usually into our own disasters. That, that's what we do. And, and, and today, I just want you to realize, I, I want the, the words that I share to help you to realize that more than likely, the red flags that have been placed in your path, and they might be gentle, and they might be severe, they might be comfortable, they might be painful, but I just want you to realize there's a pretty good chance that God is the one who placed them there and he didn't place them there to punish you. He didn't place them there to keep you from having fun. He placed them there because he loves you so much. He wants to protect you from your own worst impulses. Anybody here? Anybody here at all look back in your rear view mirror of your life and there's that mistake and that regret. And they all came from surrendering to your impulses instead of surrendering those impulses to God. God knows you so well. He protects you from you. See, usually what we want with God is, is like that little boy who was playing darts with his dad, wanting to play darts with his dad. And he goes, dad, let, let's go play darts. I'll throw and you say wonderful. <laughs> and that's what we want from God. We want him to boost our self-esteem. 
We, we want him to help us feel good about all those self-destructive decisions that we're making. Well, I'm blowing up my life, but I feel good about myself. We want him to be gentle and sweet and kind and just know that God's grace is always better than you deserve and exactly what you need. He'll be as, as gentle as he can be, but as harsh as he must be. And again, my great prayers, this whole message, when you think about how you're designed, that it will raise your antenna to the point that you will say, oh, that's what God's doing. That's how he's hemming me in. That's how he's holding me in. Sometimes even that's how he's pushing me out to get over my own cowardice to act as, as his representative in the world. It's a little bit funny how, how it worked, I, I think, how it worked for me is when I think about uh, when I was in uh, college, just going to early years of college, and as I think back on, on those years, and I, and I, well, what was I like? And I, I, real, I realized I was just kind of melancholy. I wasn't sad, really, but just sort of twisted, just sort of taking myself too seriously. And some of you who know me well, you're like, no. <laughs> taking my, taking my, my, yeah, it's been a long journey. Taking myself too seriously and, and life not seriously enough, I wouldn't think I was very much fun to be around. And, and so what does God do with sort of morose, mostly shy, mostly melancholic me? What, who does he bring into my life? He, he brings in a young woman of Puerto Rican ancestry, and all the extroversion that that implies. And she's the first person ever to tell me that she liked this really weird first name that I have of Talbot. And so after all of that, I mean, there's this very pretty extrovert bringing me out, likes my name. What possible choice did I have? We've now been married for 37 years. And, and you're, you're, you're like, ah, that's, she's Puerto Rican. That's where those kids got that really good tan. And, and yes, 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 it is. I, I'm just so glad that God brought who exactly who I needed to protect me from my own worst instincts. Imagine all the ways, all the ways he knows you so well. He knows who and what you need. And he wants you to be awake to all the ways that's true. God knows you so well. He protects you from you. And I love verse three. Take a look at verse three again. You discern my going out and my lying down. And then you are familiar with all my ways. And, and some of you may know the saying, maybe not all of you do, but I, I, I think about it. Familiarity breeds contempt, except with God. And in God, familiarity brings adoration. With God, the more familiar he is with you and, and all, did you know, did you know God knows you have morning breath? <laughs> He's familiar with that and he adores you. Every bit of everything that God is doing in your life is not to punish you. It's not to restrict you. It's not to keep you from being true to you. Guess what? God loves you too much to care one bit whether you're true to you. He wants you to be true to him because he, he knows that's where there is life and purpose and meaning. Yeah, familiarity in God's hands brings absolute adoration into your soul. God protects, God knows you so well. 
He's about the business of protecting you from you. He's even. He even is aware and even can use his raw material in, in, in your life. Those ways that it takes enemy, uh, friends to push you to your potential, but it takes enemies to push you beyond it. Did you know that? And sometimes those enemies that God brings into your life are for your good. They grow your desperation for, for God. He, he knows you so well. It's about the business of protecting you from you. Because here's really, here's really what I, I, I want to happen as a result of, of hearing this message, being in part of this experience. I want that guy within the sound of my voice who is planning on leaving your family this week. And now you won't. Because you know that God knows you so well, he protects you from you. And I want the woman within the sound of my voice who is getting ready to hit send on an email tomorrow. And if you hit send on that email tomorrow, it could very well end up costing your job, you your job, and now you won't. Because you know God knows you so well, he's protecting you from you. I want that other woman within the sound of my voice who's planning on, hit, on sending a text and if you send that text, that's very likely to unleash a whole series of events that not this week, but three months down the line will not only blow up your family, but blow up someone else's family as well. And now you won't. Because you know God knows you so well, he protects you from you. And I want the guy within the sound of my voice who always has to get the last word in and any conversation or any argument whether it happens at home or at work or even at church and now you won't when you want to get the last word in don't and now you won't because you know God knows you so well he protects you from you or even that person within the sound of my voice who after church today you're in the live congregation maybe even on the way home you were planning on stopping at the liquor store even though you can't hold your liquor at all you wanted to socially drink and you can't you can only anti-socially drink and now you won't because you you know now that instead of stopping that liquor store, you're gonna call your sponsor. Can I hear an amen, all my AA friends in the house? Why? Because God knows you so well. He protects you from you. And you're thinking, can I do this? No, you can't. But Jesus can. And Jesus can because he already took every wrong word you ever said, every wrong thought you ever marinated on, every wrong decision that still haunts you. And he already nailed all of that to the cross to declare you forgiven. And then he raised up out of the grave so that you too, whatever dead place you have in your life, so that you too might have his resurrection power to bring you out of it as well. Because God is pouring all that grace out on all of his people, including you. You can't do it. 
but because Jesus did, he will. God knows you so well. He protects you from you. And we are gonna have a prayer in which you all live stream and live, you all repeat after me for this. So would you bow your heads and close your eyes, live streamers as well, and would you, I'm gonna pray a phrase and you just repeat after me, please. Lord Jesus, I am powerless without you. But because of you, I'm never helpless. I praise you that you protect me from my own worst enemy. And today, instead of surrendering to my impulses, I surrender them to you. In the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. And everyone said,